Good morning, good afternoon, whenever uh, whenever you listen to this, welcome Caucus, um, the 50th anniversary podcast. Uh, I'm uh, Mark Solomon, super, super happy to be your host today. We're going to talk about Aboriginal Student Services, my role here uh, well, at the college. Uh, I actually were a polytechnic now, uh, all of uh, about six months of it, uh, at Seneca College, uh, Seneca Polytechnic is the uh, Associate Vice President, Reconciliation and Inclusion. I've also had the honor of serving caucus as uh, the former president. And I'm joined with Marnie. Marnie, tell me, tell us all about all the great things you are. Okay. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me today. Uh, I come to you from the traditional lands of the Blackfoot people here in Southern Alberta. Um and uh, so I'm housed out of Lethbridge, Alberta, and um, specifically at the Lethbridge College. And my title here is Indigenous Student Support and Events Coordinator. Um, and um, so my English name is Marnie Hope, and my Blackfoot name is Misami Gitsdigaki, which means longtime offering in the Blackfoot language. Um, I am Blackfoot from Kainai, which is very close here to to, um, to Lethbridge. And um, yeah, we're just this week kind of wapping up the end of the semester. And that time of year, eh? It's that yeah, time of year. yeah, it's that time of year and um, students are feeling the crunch, but this is all part of the process. 100 i i also didn't i'm and i'm please please uh forgive me i didn't introduce my first nation i'm a member of henvy inlet first nation here in uh ontario and uh the small anishinaabe community just north of uh sorry just south of uh sudbury and okay. uh, i i'm lucky to be the first but not last indigenous president of caucus uh Ooh. Patty Patty Hambler, our current president, is uh, is is a member. I believe she's Cree. I believe, um, but she not only is she Cree, she's fantastic. So that's <laughs> a big shout out to to, to Patty. So okay, so here here's the interesting part: is I be, I have this theory, Marnie, that everything student services wants to be is what Indigenous student services is. So walk me through a day or a week in your office of the breadth of things that you do, because I think people will be amazed what happens in your in your office and you're calling calling us, I think, from your office there. I see all sorts of wonderful. Yeah, I am in my office. Um, You know, every day is a new day and it always, you know, it's always determined basically by what the students are needing from us each and every day. Um, which is what I love about my job is that it's never the same. Yeah. Um, and it's all about supporting the students. So there's going to be times, you know, they're going to come off of a heavy weekend and we are the the first initial contact for them. So we may have to have a sit down in my office and go over the weekend. So it's that real one-on-one piece. Um, other times we're providing programming for our students to, you know, make them feel more at home while they're here at the college, you know, showing them the different supports that we have, because that um, can be 
um, a bit of a barrier. Students aren't familiar with what's happening on campus because they just don't, um, you know, their, their their comfort level isn't there. So it's kind of our, our job to, to make sure they're feeling comfortable and at home when they come here. Um, and then there's also parts of our day where we're interacting with faculty and staff. And we get sometimes those conversations in the hallway or, hey, can you come to our class and do a presentation? Um, <laughs> and those sorts of things. But yeah. there's never, it's never a dull day, let me tell you. And it's never the same. So, so my, my experience in, in Indigenous Student Services, and, I, and I, I've been in the field long enough to remember when we were called Native Student Services. Yeah. So way back, way back in the, in the, in the 90s. But, but like you're everything from a housing officer, uh, finding both on-campus and off-campus housing, financial aid, helping with scholarships, band funding, student loans, should, should they students uh, do that, um, mental health supports, uh, chaplaincy services with ceremony and all, uh, and all sorts of things, food, yep. ba- food banks dealing with food insecurity of students, academic advising. Men- yep. Mental health, uh, mental health work, both crisis work and, and and work. You're also a community relations person out in the community, uh, helping the local powwow community, sitting on boards, do 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 doing all those things. At some point, I suspect you need to sit in your office and uh, and fill out some reports for the institution uh, and, <laughs> and all that stuff. Uh, you might get to your email. And and the interesting part is the, what I think is one of some of the newest stuff that's happening in Indigenous Student Services, we'll get to it later, is curriculum design and, and, and true work in academics. So I've listed at least 10 specialties that, uh, of what might be one person or one department student services and you call that a week yeah yeah <laughs> and i love how you sure yeah that's what we do it's just <laughs> it's, it's really you've nailed it we do we wear all those hats and it's it's a busy busy um a busy busy place like i said earlier it's never the same no two days are the same um, and how could it be, right? So how, how we're a small be? team here at the Lethbridge College. We have our manager, and then we have myself, um, and then um, we have a, an, a recruiter slash advisor. But we all wear two specific job titles, which is... Oh, um, interesting, interesting. Which, um, you know... I could go into that and, and go down the rabbit pay hole. Both. They pay you for both, right? That's how it works, right? So. Oh, no, of course not. <laughs> of course not. No. Um, but yeah, so we each wear two hats within our, yeah. our job titles. So we're, we're, we're doing the best that we can with what we have. But um, I love my job. The end you of know, the, the interesting day. part, Marnie, is, is I, I would argue that um, – at a certain point in the history of, of Indigenous student services, we stopped only servicing Indigenous students. We started servicing non-Indigenous students who were trying to uh, understand what reconciliation is, understanding MMIW, understanding the world events as they see them, unfolding decolonization and all those aspects. Uh-huh. We see more 
non-Indigenous students coming through our, our places of work, having to help them. Obviously, our, our services are tailored to Indigenous students, but non-Indigenous students seeing this as, as the epicenter of indigeneity on campus, coming to you for, for, for wisdom, hints and tips, all that kind of stuff, right? It's a, it's a new world, right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So I, I divide my career in Indigenous student services, and I don't do Indigenous student services as much. In fact, I have a, a wonderful team, and they're fantabulous. Um, but I, I, uh, I, I sit around and and uh, and think of of great philosophical things, like all administrators do. And and what I I think of my life in Indigenous student services um, as pre TRC and post TRC. And so pre-TRC, so I, I, I started back in uh, the mid-2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, and those were the days where we starved, man. Like, Marnie, like, there were times where we were going out trying to find, like, people were throwing furniture out of their offices and we were grabbing it because we needed uh, an extra couple of chairs around or there was always leftover space, so we were kind of taking it. It didn't really work. And then TRC kind of happened. And then all of a sudden, it was just like this boom, and we're doing everything now, like curriculum design, we're doing uh, blessings of, of brand new buildings, we're putting up artwork and stuff. Has the TRC really, do you, do you sense that as well? As, and sorry, when I'm saying TRC, uh, for, the, for our listeners at home who are unfamiliar, it's Truth and Reconciliation Commission, the calls to action, which were released in 2005 as a result of uh, the public inquiries around the residential school system. Do, do you see that kind of, that split, Marnie, in your work? Well, I can't really, you know, I've only been here just going on three years. I can't really speak to how things were prior to me being, you know, coming on board. But I certainly do remember the times when I was an undergrad at Trent University and, you know, kind of getting that feel of what was happening within, you know, Indigenous services there. Um, We'll use that as a comparison to, to, to now, I think would be, you know, I always speak from my own experience. And um, I do feel like now, um, that there is way more of, uh, um, that we need to take, that there's a, there's a lot of asks yeah. of us as Indigenous, um, employees within institutions. And, um, so it's definitely bringing things to light. Now, I don't know, um, where the fine line is there. It's very blurred. Because, you know, we here at this institution have put on um, some amazing things around uh, Truth and Reconciliation Week. We, we house it over a week. Oh, you do? And we bring in some amazing guest speakers and we try and kind of touch all, you know, areas that we think are important for the college to partake in. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, we, we, we sit there and we wonder, why is it that we as Indigenous people within an institution are, um, you know, I'm, um, I, I'm, obviously we're doing it because we're employed and we, we kind of have to do it. But, you know, <laughs> um, who, are we, who are we putting these things on for? It's definitely not for ourselves. That's I'm fair. not putting That's on fair. truth and reconciliation yeah. for me. I don't need to to learn about how to reconcile. I know. <laughs> and I, I mean, so 
there's always that conversation, but yes, um, it's, it's such a touchy subject too, because we, we actually did a survey here at the college not that long ago about truth and reconciliation after we did a week long of events to see what the college staff and faculty thought about the week. And, you know, some of the things were really unattended. And so again, going back to my point is why are we putting things on if a people aren't attending? Um, you know, because I don't need to do it for me, I'm doing it, I'm doing it for, for the college and, um, you know, the faculty, staff and students. And if nobody's attending, what's the point? Um, but yeah, so that survey um, and the kind of the results of that survey were that a lot of people still find it such an awkward conversation because they don't want to step on toes. Yeah. They don't want to come across as being um, looked at a, looked at in a certain way. And so, you know, there's, so knowing that there's a lot of work to be done around truth and reconciliation. Uh-huh. And, um, but we don't ha- always have the answers. And I think that's also part of the problem is that we are, we are experts, but to a point. <laughs> and we are really, we are truly, quite honestly, coming up to the 10th year of TRC, right? Like, Mm-hmm. So 2025, that is a, that's a big year. It's 10 years after. I know CBC does a ton of those like counters of how many of the of the calls to action have been have been completed, and usually it's less than a dozen. Uh, I'd be shocked if it even broke 20 uh, yeah. out of the 94 uh, calls to action. 94, 94, 96, 94. 90 90s uh over 90 calls to action um and they really are there do you find in your institution uh people are afraid to do some of the work around reconciliation that they're afraid to get it wrong they're afraid absolutely yeah i think that is the conversation that we you know when we really get down to the heart of it is that people just don't want to offend so instead of offending, they just don't do anything at all. And that might be even more destructive, right? I like think that, so. Yeah. Yeah. So what I've done here is, you know, I've put together just some some basic things that people can, you know, do to to get themselves pointed in the right direction as far as truth and reconciliation goes, you know, like you're, you're not going to, you're not going to learn unless you, you put in the effort and, and do some things. It's a, it's, um, it's an individual uh, opportunity for them. So I don't tell them what they need to do, but I give them some ideas and based on where they are, they can, you know, choose something to at least, um, you know, help them get pointed in the right direction. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's totally fair. I, I think, you know, I, I do tell people, I said, you know, we're going to make mistakes when we do mm-hmm. this reconciliation and not every survivor and not every person who's involved in this is interested in the same type of reconciliation. In fact, many survivors will tell you we're not ready for reconciliation. The truth hasn't yes. been able, hasn't been able to, to come. Yeah, I think that's an important perspective for us to to acknowledge. I think that there's a lot of people that that talk about healing prior to reconciliation. That they there's still a sense of hurt and victimization within the community that's still not not hasn't yeah. been addressed, right? And that's yes. uh, so I tell people like 
I'd rather you make a mistake trying your best than just to yeah. sit there and let me do all the work because that's the interesting part. And I've always, and, and maybe this is a call out to our friends at caucus, our friends at caucus, many, the vast majority are non-indigenous. The, the work around September 30th should not be done on the backs of indigenous people. Right. <laughs> it should be guided by indigenous people, but also know it's a time for mourning. It's a time for loss. It's a time for that community, our, our community, to, to be with community, to reflect. And in fact, actually, our work is in our centers dealing with students who are having traumatic responses to, to all of the orange shirt. I, I, we've had some students talk to us about how traumatic it is to see orange shirts everywhere. And, and that it just feels like it's something that they can't, they can't escape. They, they can't remind. So maybe it's our call out to our friends at caucus to come by our center after orientation and ask how they can help us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I just wanted to mention um, that I'm looking forward to this year, uh, because I think some of the people, you know, have taken some of my recommendations, you know, to heart, and I can see them implementing them. And one of the things is that we're going to be doing like pop up reconciliation um, days throughout the year instead of it being over that week long truth and reconciliation week around September 30th. And then people forget about it. And then they never think about it again until it's in their calendar, the next following September 30th week. So, um, you know, people need to know that it's not just a specific day that it's actually every single day of our lives as indigenous people, we have to come to work in these institutions wearing our indigeneity 100%. and it's very heavy and people don't realize that and no one else like your um your it people your communications people they come with you know to their their job and they their skill is around communications or it right they aren't putting in who they you know they can set aside that 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 piece of them, you, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, but as indigenous staff, we have to come wearing our indigeneity on our sleeves every single day. And it's heavy and it's, um, and sometimes it's a tough thing to do. So that's why I kind of recommended that let's think about truth and reconciliation 365 days of the year, rather than it just being like a big heightened week. And then we forget about it. So and, and you know, you, you are right. It's one of the very few jobs in student services that you're hired based upon your identity. Yeah. You are you are hired for your identity. You're hired for your community. You're hired um, and, and you walk in these two very sometimes oppositional, sometimes complementary roles of like you put one foot in community, uh, one foot in the institution. Right. You know, and nothing is more awkward. And I'm sure you've had it having somebody who wants to be paid in cash. And of course, your institution's like, <laughs> I need a SIN number. I need 30 days. I'm going to be taxing them on this. I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be doing this. And, and you're just like, I don't know how to pay you. Right. And yeah. you know, they just say, Can I just be paid in gift cards or visa cards or smokes or something like that? It's, <laughs> I don't know how to do that, right? So it's good. It's a whole thing, right? Like exactly. Yeah, yeah. there is a, there is an awkwardness of 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 colonial institutions and and non colonial peeps 
trying to be together. And I think that is that is some of the emotional heavy lifting that Indigenous Student Services does. You know, yeah. I, I think as you were talking, I'm also reminded of, you know, our friends in the Black community that say February can't be the last time we talk about Black history or Black excellence. It's got to be every day. And I think that we need to celebrate Indigeneity, uh, Blackness, all, all of, uh, all of our, our levels of inclusion uh, throughout mm-hmm. the year. And, and I know that we stand in solidarity with, with many, many communities uh, during the Black Lives Matter and many, many, uh, many other um, uh, movements. We, we've been there and, and seen, seen them come to, to support us as well. So it's great. Mm-hmm. Tell, okay, here's here's the crazy thing. We're all building these crazy buildings, and we got cool art these days. Again, this is because of you know TRC, and people may or may not be buying their guilt. I didn't say that. We'll probably we won't edit that out, but we probably should. But we'll. Uh, but people are doing some like really cool things. Yeah. What's cool at your place? What what what's something that you would take me if if I was showing up on your on your doorstep tomorrow? Where's the first place we're visiting on your campus that you're going to say, look what we got? Oh, my gosh. We just recently revealed our Buffalo Robe Winter Count. Tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. Explain it. Okay. So about a year ago, we, um, we got permission from our executive leadership team because we explained to them how our institution should have a Buffalo Robe Winter Count. Um, so they gave us the go ahead. Um, they trusted us. You know, that's the wonderful thing is that they do trust us. And, um, cause yeah, we are the experts in our field. And so that, that was, that was, um, you know, that was, that was a good feeling that they, they would allow us to just go out. And, um, we went out to Pikani and, um, had a ceremony and, uh, so got, uh, the, the community behind us, you know, that support. And we did things in the right way and uh, had the ceremony, you know, we're blessed to go out and hunt the buffalo out on Bikani's, uh Buffalo Ranch. And yeah, so we, it was like a bit of a community event. Um, the people that were there should have been there. And then a few people from the college were there. And um, yes, we harvested, harvested this buffalo on site and brought the, um, the animal to the Lethbridge College here for our culinary students to actually, oh, wow. um, to, oh, what's it called when they... You know, like they do all the cutting up of the. They meats. did all the butchery and everything. The butchering, like that. that's the yeah, word I'm yeah. looking for. So they, you know, they they got to be a part of that process, and then um, what we ended up doing was gifting the meat back to the community because oh, the community wow. had oh, given us the buffalo. So there's that reciprocity piece that yes. you know is such a big part of who we are um, as Blackfoot people um, is that reciprocity piece. So they gave us the buffalo. Um, for, you know, for us to have the hide and then we in return gave them the, the, the meat back for the community just before Christmas. And then, um, so we had the hide and then one of our professors here, Dean, um, uh, he's, 
he's a big hunter himself who was also out there that day and he took it upon himself to take the hide over the the winter and the winter break and he worked the hide at his place oh wow and um and then brought it back when students were back in in January and we would open it up for any students to come and work that hide because it's um, you know, if you know anything about hide processing, it's a really big, heavy job. And it just goes to show how resilient and beautifully strong our people were to, to do that day in and day out. And that, you know, so it's anyway, so, um, the students, you know, had an opportunity, faculty, staff could go in there and work on the hide when they had some time. And um, so it really was that community collaborative effort here on campus, getting that hide ready to go off to be painted, to be drawn on. And so um, we had one of our local um, artists and he was happy to take this on. And um, we kind of ahead of time gave him the, the, the story that we would like on the robe. And he came up with the symbols and um, yeah, so drew all that onto the the hide. And then we had a beautiful case made for it and all the symbols um, on the side to explain the story of the Lethbridge College and all of the amazing um, indigenous pieces that have taken place here on campus are now ingrained on that hide for everyone to see. So it's it's something that um, the college will have forever moving forward. And, um, you know, I called this Buffalo because I was there from beginning to end and seeing the whole process has just been so um, moving for me. And um, so we call her Buffy. And the case that she, the case that she is in. That's a little complicated on, a little later on. Yeah, I know, right? Like, <laughs> ooh, Buffy, wow, where did, how did you come up with that? <laughs> anyway, so she's, her case is, of it's beautiful, of course, um, but it's on wheels. So we like the fact that she can move around because our buffalo didn't just stay in one place. Yeah, they yeah. moved around. And so... I like that parallel that she is able to move around throughout campus and maybe she spends a day out in center core and teaches people who are coming through center core that day, or maybe she moves down over to the trades or maybe she's over in the cousins building. So she's moving around, um, teaching the community about what it means to be Blackfoot and what it means to be here on campus and how, um, our cultures are, are, um, intact. So that is one of the things, the newest things that we're very proud of. Another thing that is so cool that we've done um, is that we indigenized our gym floor. So, yeah, so we indigenized the gym floor. Um, The athletics got a new um, indigenous logo. And um, so that logo is on the floor. And then the baseline has like our, our TP um, images on the, on the oh, baseline. Wow. Yeah. And so um, this past fall during our truth and reconciliation week, um, the, the athletics team had jerseys made with that indigenous logo. 
And so they wore those, they wear those jerseys during certain times throughout the year. And as far as I know, there aren't too many uh, institutions across Canada that have indigenized their athletic gear. So, you know, we're really setting that bar. And um, last year, we won an ACAC award for our indigenized floor, in fact. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So we'll be doing a banner raising for that here in January. Um, because, yeah, it's an ACAC award, you know, an athletics Can award. Can you explain to us just for everybody at home what ACAC stands for? Um, the athletic. Um, I don't, I don't even want to say, we may have to cut this out, AC, I think it's the, um, Athletic Conference Association Robert, uh, of Canada. Okay, it's okay. It's Canada-wide, so yeah, it's, um, Athletics Conference So it's the Canada-wide Canada. award. Yeah, oh, it's there a it Canada-wide award, yes, ACAC. So yeah, we won that, that award for indigenizing our floor, and while that's really been powerful and has, again, set the bar and then, of course, following up with those Indigenous jerseys. Um, so it just goes to show we're doing some really good work, you know, and we're getting the the attention and the accolades to go with it that that are, are deserving, right, to show that we're, we're doing some good stuff. Um, what else is kind of... Oh, we just did a, um, we did a beautiful land acknowledgement video. Blackfoot land acknowledgement video. So we've been so busy this last year. I'm like, I don't know what we, we're going to have nothing left to do in 2024. <laughs> we got it all solved. We're fully indigenized yeah. right down to yeah. the next step. We're so eh? indigenized. We're like overfilling. <laughs> no, there's always something to do. But yeah, we yeah. just had a really busy fall unveiling our, our land acknowledgement video, our Buffalo rope winter count, our indigenous jerseys, and um, yeah, and then Indigenous Services here, we unveiled a new um, Indigenous logo too, um, you know, because we need to remarket our things every so often years. So we felt it was time to do that. So we got a buffalo and I don't think I have any in my office, maybe in my drawer here. Um, yeah, so this is what our new logo looks like. Oh, oh. other camera. We're on the other, other camera. camera. Oh, fantastic. Isn't that cute? Uh, to describe everyone, can you describe the logo? Just because we're all audio for our friends on the, on the Yeah, podcast. so it's a buffalo. <clears throat> and then it's got the lifeline coming in through its mouth, pointing down towards its stomach with two dots above um, on the top of its tail, kind of on your, would be like your, kind of your um, top of your hip. And those are your kidneys. And you'll see this a lot in our Blackfoot artwork because um, that lifeline pointing towards your kidneys is um, signifies um, that's where your adrenaline comes from, your kidneys. And so without those, you wouldn't have much of a lifeline, that adrenaline and that that um, access to, to moving and doing what your body's telling you to in that moment. So... Um, you'll see that a lot in, in our artwork, that that lifeline kind of going in through their mouth and then pointing down towards their stomach slash kidneys. So, yeah. Um, Mar Marnie Migwitch, like that was fan. That's fantastic. <laughs> like, you gotta, I, there was part of me at the beginning of this. I'm going, I, ho I hope 
we don't offend any vegans or vegetarians on here, as you were talking about. And, and, and probably I would assume, and this is just me, I've never worked a buffalo hide. I've, I've had the honor of working some deer hides and stuff. Probably five or 600 hours working that oh, hide. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? it's a big work. job. It's massive. Yeah. Yeah. It's a massive. Oh, I got to tell you about the other thing that was really. Okay, yeah, cool. you get one more, and then one we're, more we're uh... one more thing. So we um we quite often in Indigenous services get requests to put up the teepee. Uh, because that is our traditional dwellings, right? Yeah. Um, I know different for you out out east in in Ojibwe territory. Um, but for us, the teepee, you know. Um, is so significant to who we are as Blackfoot people. So we get that request quite often to put up the teepee around campus. And um, in fact, I think this last year we might have put it up, I want to say, over 20 times. And we, in fact, have gotten it down to putting up in probably about eight minutes, the two of us, sometimes the two of us. There's a three, we have a three-man team here, but sometimes it's just the eight two of us. Minutes. Yeah, we are that good at it. So. Um, but our teepee needed to be replaced, like our poles needed to be replaced in our pegs. So we went out this last summer and went out and harvested new teepee poles and pegs and buttons. And let me tell you, another huge job. I can see why you only want to replace them every 10 to 12 years, because it is a big, heavy, labor intensive job. So again, just like, Learning so about somebody, somebody who's listening, can you describe how long a uh, a teepee pole is? Um, well, they vary in sizes. So, how, um, how long is yours for, for you? Ours are about 22 feet, yeah, 19 to 22 feet. And how many poles do you use? Uh, 21. So, you put up 21 20 foot poles plus pegs. Plus buttons, which I, is that the sewing at the top above, above the door? Is that considered the buttons? Uh, no, like you kind of peg them in to keep, yeah, to keep the doorway closed. Yeah. 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 And you do, your team does that in eight minutes. Yeah. I know. It's amazing, <laughs> hey? You guys are fantastic. Like that is, there should be, we should, we should, should create a, a new Did you sport. know that there's actually some institutions who put on teepee raising competitions and i, I, I would don't love, but now i do and that's i would love to start that here imagine if that became like like a little bit of a sport that would i don't think it's a sport i think it's it's something that definitely has to happen like it wouldn't it be yeah. great yeah, yeah, like if you had a competition you know even if you started getting the high schools around here to put together teams and then whoever was the Lethbridge, you know, team that could put it up the quickest would go and represent Lethbridge and take on Medicine Hat College. And then they would take on Sate and then they would take on Mount Royal. Right. And then so I think when be- we're looking for new caucus activities in the evening, we're going to do this. We're going to raise up a teepee and uh, see how much those student affairs people can't do it. And then we'll, we'll give, uh, Lethbridge College a call and to embarrass all of us uh, in eight minutes. <laughs> yeah. So, I think fun. it's something we should look into. 
It would be yeah, a blast. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. <laughs> Marnie, as you've been talking, you've been talking mm-hmm. a lot about going to community, asking community. Mm. I think one of the very Indigenous student services is probably one of the only student services that takes the vast majority of their guidance from community. And when we say community, we mean external to the institution and usually uh, here in Ontario, and I'm in Toronto, I'm in the Greater Toronto area. So that for us, we define community as we have some First Nations that are close, very an hour away from Toronto, but we also have a lot of agencies and we have a lot of urban community members and we call them our community. Mm-hmm. And in, in Ontario, we actually have community councils that I've often called the Red Board of Governors and they mm-hmm. kind of provide us our our strategic vision, our focus, our approvals on big things. Can you talk to me about what the Indigenous community uh, means to, to your service, your work, and how it informs you? And just to ex- explain to people uh, who listening who may not understand that concept. Yeah. So, you know, I think we, we praise ourselves here at the Lethbridge College by always um, instilling that value of reaching out to the community because everything we do and did and will continue to do is going to affect our communities. Um, we, you know, it's, it's our cultural nature to think collectively as opposed to individually. And so, you know, if you're doing things that are for the greater good of the community, you need to have that input from them and the support and making sure that everybody's on the same page and that there's no surprises. And of course, in doing so, we always um, include our elders in any decisions that we make. You know, they're a very big part of our community here on campus. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, our consultation with our elders is is paramount to, to any decision making. So, um, yeah, they're always at the table when we make big decisions and because that's how we do things. Um, but yeah, so our, we're, I would say that we're, we're, um, you know, every community is busy doing their own thing, yeah. as you know, and, yeah. um, you know, there's never that lack of work in any community. We know that there's so much work to be done. Um, but we also don't want to silo ourselves and do this work, um, you know, in those silos, which I think you see a lot of. Um, I, there's this one organization that I sit on, um, or it's part of a committee here, and it's um, so all the Indigenous organizations slash committees, com- you know, community um, branches sit on this committee where you once a month uh, we'll have a meeting. Uh, sometimes it's in person or it's hybrid or whatever. We make it accessible so that the you know majority of people can can attend. And, and then what what the intent is is to share with the group what it is that you're doing, what you're offering, what you're providing. Because um, there's so many organizations doing great work sometimes you don't know about them because there's just, everyone's working in silos. And so, you know, when we, 
you know, and, and, you know, we're all being funded usually by some big government organization. <laughs> so we know this. The source of all evil, source of all funding, right? right? Like, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so why wouldn't you want to collaborate? And so instead of reinventing the wheel every single time and fighting for, for those numbers and for those clients. And, and, and so we, we're aware of that. I'm very aware of that. So I'm always up for trying to collaborate with somebody who's doing something similar in the community, whether it's um, in Lethbridge or out in Kainai or Pikani, because our reserves are very close to us. Okay. And a lot of our students are obviously coming from those reserves. And so we need to give back to those communities and build those relationships so that we can, um, when our students come into the onto campus here, they're they're familiar with who we are and the work that we do. And I think that that's the important part too, Marnie, is that the relationship needs to be reciprocal, right? It can't always be the institution taking from the community. The institution needs to give to the community and take those take those opportunities. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So, okay, I'm going to get controversial for you. For like the last 12 months, 24 months, what's dominated... Uh, a number of different worlds, but it's been very active. And, and in fact, actually, uh, the uh, the academy in in Canada has been very active in trying to understand identity. And, uh-huh. and the I don't want to call it the surge because I think that they've always been here, but pretendians, uh, and yes. that they, that there have been people. And for those of you who don't know, pretendians is a, a bit of a nickname that. Uh, people who aren't of Indigenous descent, who have claimed Indigenous descent, whether that be for personal gain through uh, through grants or through um, a job, job offerings, or, or even even their work, it's, it's dominated the work. How has your institution, Marnie, um, have you addressed it? Have you... Have you looked into it at all? I don't want you to. Um, I know the other part. I'm fired. Is, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I don't want anybody to get. I don't want anything bad to happen. But I. But yeah. I, I. I can't imagine that that there is an institution in Canada that hasn't had a conversation about this. Yeah, you know, it is. It is definitely um, a conversation that has come up more in the last year. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we not too long ago attended a little conference up in Calgary and it was on pretend Indianism. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we sent the invite to our human resources department. I think our ELT team, you know, we, we sent it out so that people were aware that it, it was happening. Um, and uh, a few people went, which was great. And I hope that it was impactful. Since then, I haven't really um, touched base with those people to see kind of how. I, I think it kind of goes back a bit to that, the truth, the t- you know, truth and reconciliation uh, conversation about it's it's uncomfortable, and it's, it's, hard. Um, it's hard. It's a very hard conversation, yeah. and. Um, you know, I don't know what the answer is. It's definitely something that's happening. We're seeing it more and more, especially with recently Buffy 
Um, not, you know, not the Buffalo Buffy. No, not Buffy or Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> not her. No, she's not her. Angel. No, she's she's an angel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's uh, right Buffy from yeah. So, um, you know, that conversation has come up just kind of in passing. But uh, you know, I remember when I we went to that conference, and one of the takeaways for me was let's stop calling it something cutesy in a way, pretendingism. Yes. And it's, I can't even say it right half the time, but let's call it what it is. And it's identity fraud. It's fraud. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think we need to work on the terminology. And I think people will take it more serious if we start to actually call it what it is, because language is so powerful and impactful. So I think for myself, I'm going to stop calling it pretend Indianism. And when I reach out to people, I'm going to say, hey, what did you think of um, the conference on identity fraud? Yeah. And see where the conversation goes there. Um, But yeah, I mean, I don't know what the answer is. I think, I guess if I had one recommendation, it might be like human resources to change maybe some of their hiring policies um, and how they they hire, you know, individuals for these indigenous specific mm-hmm. positions. But I don't even know what that would look like, um, you know, because I don't really know all the rules and regulations about hiring. And that's, mm-hmm. I think, the, the complicated piece um, nice. that we're all bound to as employees working within these institutions. There's all these policies and procedures that, you know, kind of tie us to things that we may not even understand. That's fair. And that's fair. And that's, we're, we're of, of uh, I think we're of similar, similar mind. Um, um, we we do do an HR process for ourselves. We don't do a student process, which mm-hmm. would be problematic. And in fact, uh, some of the more famous cases out of here in Toronto are are some students who've committed fraud to gain scholarships. Uh, yeah. Here, so we, yeah. I think we uh, I think it it's something that in the next I I would love to stop talking about it. Yeah. I'd love the problem to be solved because there is. When you talk about fraud and, and, and what this is, it is a massive time suck. And you have said through this whole time that we have so many other things to do. Yeah. And so we'd love to solve this and and, 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 and move on. Yeah. I have in my hand here some quick fire questions that I'd love to, to see if you have some responses for, for our, our lovely caucus listening Okay. Audience. Listening okay, on. I hope I have an answer. <laughs> you, you're, you're gonna if if you don't, you can give me another one. Okay. 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 So choose one or an, a better answer. Best Indigenous uh, show that's been on lately: Reservation Dogs or Rutherford Falls. Have you seen either of them? Reservation Dogs. Love Reservation. I love Reservation Dogs. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Rutherford Falls? No. <laughs> it's so good. I don't want to this, like, academic part of it. I'm doing my master's right now, and I honestly don't even have time to watch TV. But okay. I'm going to go with Reservation Dogs because I have seen Okay. It. Okay. And Reservation Dogs is available on a number of streaming services, as is Brothers Falls, if you get a chance. Okay. Um, okay. How about 
snotty nose res kids. Yep. Versus the hallucination. Well, I'm gonna have to go with snotty nose res kids because I don't know hallucination. They're the they're the new tribe called Red. Oh, I'm still gonna go snotty nose res kids. Still goes, still goes. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Still stays west side. Will stays west yeah. side. That's great. How about your favorite indigenous book by an indigenous author? Oh, geez. Um, I would have to say one of the books that I read recently, uh, They're There by, I'm trying to think of. Yes, it won, it won uh, the Pulitzer. Tommy, Tommy something, I can't think of his. Yeah. yeah they're there. It's, Tommy, it's it'll come to me. Good. Yeah. Maybe we can get some support uh, letting us know what there there is. My favorite is Michelle uh, Michelle Good's uh, Five Little Indians. <gasps> that it's, was so good, too. It's oh my so gosh. good. And we actually had Michelle come to campus and talk about it. It was <sighs> it was over the it was over the moon at the time when Candy Palmiter was alive. She interviewed her for the college and it was mm. it, it was probably the best 50 minutes that we've ever done at the college. It was oh, my gosh. Amazing. Yes, I love that book too. Okay, what is your favorite place online to buy indigenous clothing, earrings? I see you're rocking uh, some nice earrings there, some beads. Yeah, yeah, you got to get the dangle. I, you know what? I, um, I typically don't go online to buy things. Okay, okay. Because I don't like to give up my credit card online. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but I do, when I go to powwows, I always buy something that I don't need. <laughs> I just bought this skirt behind me, this beautiful ribbon skirt Fantastic. and I don't need another ribbon skirt, but I just bought one because I think I'm a, I, I'm a, I need, I'm a visual shopper, like a, or like in a textile okay. shop, like I need to touch things. And, and so seeing it online has just never done it for me. I need to okay, actually okay, feel okay. it. Hold it. It's kind of like reading a book. Like I have to actually have the physical book yeah, and yeah. set and like turn the pages. So kind of the same thing with shopping online. I just tend not to for, for those reasons, the credit card thing. I'm too leery. I'm too old school. And I like to feel and touch and kind of get connected to whatever it is I'm buying. So, totally um, and then I'm so lucky because my, one of our Gaxi Nunics, our grand, our Blackfoot grandmothers um, who I'm very close with, she continually comes in and gives me earrings. Like every time she comes in, she's like, another pair of earrings for you. In fact, she just brought these ones in the other day. Oh my said, gosh. They're too, too dangly for her. So, cause she gets them as gifts and she's like, right. I'll never wear those little dangly. Um, so I haven't bought a pair of earrings in a really long time because she just keeps throwing them at me, which oh is lovely. That's a that's a wonderful problem to have, right? Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. So, and then not to plug myself, but I like what I do for my own therapy, um, because as we know, as Indigenous people, we're always in therapy. Yeah. Uh, um, I do antler jewelry, so that's my therapy, and then I I do sell a little bit. So I can you explain to people what antler, antler therapy is, or sorry, what antler therapy, what antler uh, uh, jewelry is, because it's it's quite unique. It's something. That yeah. So I get sheds from mostly deer antler, 
and um, I cut them and um, then kind of said, I'll do beading, but I make jewelry out of, out of the, the sheds. Are you using your little Dremel and are you doing it all? I have a Dremel. I have all kinds of different like heads to, you know, do all kinds of fun stuff, but that's, that's my, my crafty thing. I would say, I mean, I can bead. It's not my, my favorite thing to do. I'm more into kind of the, the um, creating with this antler jewelry stuff. So. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. So. I think we're coming to to an end, and I, mm-hmm. Marnie, you know, it's always great meeting other Indigenous people who who do work in the for our students, for the community. You know, I think one of the my, my takeaways is there's always good stuff happening in yeah. Indian country and in Indian world. I, I think, uh, and, and Marnie, you know, get you to you and and like your service for all the work that you're doing for for us and taking the time, like. Just, just to be really clear, just to be taking taking time for you uh, out of your busy schedule, uh, running around, uh, moving, <laughs> moving Buffy uh, from one side of the campus to the other, uh, taking eight minutes to set up uh, teepees, um, and of course dealing with students who are in crisis, students who need to go back to community, dealing with community mm-hmm. who may be in crisis and 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 need the institution. Um, it's really special that you were able to give us an, an hour of your time. Um, our uh, caucus is is much richer with Indigenous people in it. And, uh, oh, and really want to thank uh, you, Marnie, for your membership, your dedication to the, to the association, to the students, and to just being a great person. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I hope you... Um... I hope we'll, I know we'll meet somewhere else down the trail because that's just the way it is. You know, we've made this connection and, and I look forward to meeting you uh, maybe in person. Deal. Coffee's on me. Tea's on All me. Right. All right. The Caucus 50 Oral History Project is an initiative of the Canadian Association of College and University Student Services in recognition of our organization's 50 years of engaging student affairs professionals in Canada. The series of podcasts is recorded and produced by Sean Fast, Adam Kewen, Nicholas Fast, Rachel Barreca, Stephanie Muletaller, Noah Arney, Sally Chen, Estefania Toledo, Paula Jean Broderick, Jennifer Brown, Margaret DeLeon, and Becca Gray. Intro and outro music is courtesy of Alexi Stryapchi. This podcast is recorded, produced, and published on the traditional territories of hundreds of Indigenous nations from across the northern half of Turtle Island, also known by its settler colonial name, Canada. We are grateful for the opportunity to live, work, and learn on this land. Miigwech.